Thanks for joining us today for our Freedom Podcast. We are excited to grow with you. Today, you will hear a message from the life-changing Word of God. We hope this podcast adds value to your everyday life. If you want to find out more about this ministry, visit our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. Man, I'm just so excited because I really feel like this word, um, it's been several weeks, this word has been sitting on my laptop um, as I refine it and think about it. And um, I wanted you to know something that God is about to do something amazing in the lives of his people, particularly those who decide that he is not just the Messiah that came, but the Messiah that's coming back. You with me? Not just the Messiah that came once upon a time. His life split time. His life split the veil. And because it split that veil, we can commune with the Father. Because he split the veil, we can have that relationship with Jesus Christ. So the message that I really wanted to bring to you here this morning is simply this. Um, Between two prophecies. Between two prophecies. Now I want to just set set this table up for you right now. This probably isn't a one and doneer. I've really been praying about what this means, and I believe God is going to unpack this the next couple of weeks. I don't know how long this series is, but I believe it's a thought that has to go ongoing, at, at least through this morning, and whatever God leaves, uh, you know, leaves to, to the next week, we'll continue on that. But this is not a normal message, because I believe it's a thought that has to continuously be in our mind. And here's the thought. Are you ready? He once came, showed his face, left and is coming back again. Let that be the beginning. I'm just shaping that for you. You ready? So between two prophecies is the title of this message, but probably one of the subtitles to this message would be from manger to Messiah. And so let me explain that a moment because he was a Messiah then, but he's going to really show Messiah at the end. Because when we understand the season we just went through, and Christmas, right? We went through Christmas, the, the season, and it's the season of the manger. It's probably the one season that you hear the word manger so many times, right? Typically in the middle of September, you're not like manger, right? It isn't until about November that you hear the word manger begin to un- unpack again. Probably in the middle of the summer, not manger, right? But here's what I do know. Throughout every single day of our lives, the word Messiah has to be present. Because he is the one that has set up to save us, oftentimes from ourselves. How many of you sometimes need saving from yourself? Raise your hand, everybody. Some of you are pointing to your spouse or someone next to you. Feel free not to volunteer them, just yourself. But we often need saved from ourselves, right? 
And so what I wanted to kind of bring to you as I, as I unpack this between two prophecies, is that, is that not intriguing? Because I thought about this and I'm thinking to myself, wow, we're coming off of Christmas, right? There's a reminder of the newborn king, right? And, and, the, and the first of many prophecies. And we look at over and over all the prophecies that prophesied about the Messiah that was going to come. Then he came. Then he lived. Then he died. Then people cried. Then people lied. They said he wasn't the Messiah. Then people tried. They tried to hang in the upper room. Over 500 knew that Jesus was Jesus. But then after a while, some of them couldn't hang any longer. And what was left was 120 where they received the touch of God in that upper room in Acts 2. Something happened that day that led us to today. The ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives to prepare us and comfort us during difficult times. That leads us to the second coming that will happen at God's only known time. If you ever hear anyone say, I know when Jesus is coming, Kindly dismiss yourself and walk away. Tell them, really, that's awesome. Excuse me a moment. And go away quickly. If you can't defend it, don't hang around it. Because it's not true. If the Son of Man knows not the day or the hour, what makes you know more than Jesus? Are you following me? So if anyone, including anyone in this pulpit, the people that I have cover this pulpit, I usually do everything in my power to make sure it is the most quality-filled pulpit that you've ever been sitting at a church at. Because we try to put some people here that are going to speak into your life, not just bring a good message. But if anyone ever steps into this pulpit and says, I know exactly when Jesus is coming, beware. But here's what I will say. That day will come. So allow me for a moment to just portray this between two prophecies moment. If you would grab your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Peter. 1 Peter, the very first chapter. It's Peter, John, Jude, Revelation. So it's right at the end of the New Testament. Peter, John, Jude, Revelation are the last four books of the Bible. Of course, uh, John has three separate books, first, second, third John, right before Revelation. But not counting that, it's right at the tail end that we see Peter begin to unfold a little bit of the details regarding the suffering of the Messiah. So we have two prophecies. There are two major groups of prophecies regarding the life of the Messiah. The Lamb of God and the return of the Messiah. So if you would, I'm going to use the staging a little bit here this morning as kind of a timeline, if you would, okay? So let me read this passage first and we'll move forward with this. Concerning this salvation, this is 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10, 11, and 12. Concerning this salvation... 
the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, searching intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstance to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. Follow here, verse 12. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. When they spoke of the things that have now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. Again, the last verse, last sentence, and I put it in bold on the screen. Even angels long to look into these things. Now, I'm very aware of this passage It's hefty, it's heavy, it has a lot of unpacking. I don't want to take and exegete this passage. I don't want to take it and pick it all apart. Here's what I do want to put into this. As we read this, we understand one thing to be true. The Messiah came and suffered. How many agree with that? Okay. He came and he suffered. Then he revealed some things that were to happen, and then he's coming back again, and it's that Holy Spirit that is in you, right, that Holy Spirit that is in you, that's going to unveil and unpack the gospel for the world that we live in. So watch this. The last part of that verse is what got me. The last part of that verse is what got me. Even angels long to look into these things. Angels, God's angels around the throne that worship him 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now, that's our time. They don't have time. We have time. We're limited by time and space, right? How many ever wish you could multiply yourself? Add more time to the clock? Anybody? Are you with me? I'm getting a lot of amens now. This is really turning really revival-like. You ready? So, so we, got, we wish we can add time. We wish we could multiply ourselves. We wish we could do a lot of these things. And, and that's, that's natural, right? Angels don't have that. They're just beings that don't, are not separated by, by, by space or time. They just worship God continuously. Here's, here's what's amazing about that. You ready? Those very angels that stand in the presence of God are the very ones that are going, I want to look into these things. Like, what is God going to do here? Those very angels that have spent their entire celestial lives around the throne of God, worshiping and lifting up the name of Jesus, lifting up God the Father, lifting up all all their wings, how many ever, you know, depending on how many wings they have, all those wings, right? And they're lifting up Jesus. They long to know how much more should we How much more should we long to see what God's about to do? If they see the things that they see and they're excited because that's amazing. The angels that have seen everything God's hand has ever done are excited to see what God's about to do. If that doesn't excite you, check your pulse. It goes to just speak to the volume of how important and how amazing what God's about to do is going to be. Because even the angels, look at it yourself. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. Even angels long to look into these things. 
the glory of God, the glories that would follow, what Jesus did on the earth, what Jesus did on the earth as a baby, as a young man, as, a, as an adult male, and in ministry with the disciples, all that is still reverberating. How many of you have, look at me, everybody for a moment. How many of you have ever seen or, or stood at a lake, right? You stood at a lake with calm waters and you skipped rocks. Anybody ever skip rocks? Who's the best rock skipper? Some of you are so good at it, you knock people out across the lake and they didn't even know where it came from. You snipe them from the shore. They were just sitting there fishing and all of a sudden this rock is skipping and knocked them out. And they're like, where did that come from? And you're across the, you know. Because you're so good. But, but, but to be honest, if you've ever seen a, a calm lake and you threw, whether it's a stone or something into the water, and you've seen that stone drop or go into the water, and then you see that ripple effect. That's what the angels are looking for. What is the effect of the inserting the Messiah the way that God sent his son into the world? And that first prophecy, when he inserted the Messiah and that ripple effect that happened, that moved right into Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came upon his people, moving right into the New Testament, saving, rescuing, and, and people getting uh, uh, healed and touched. And those ripple effects, guess what? They still haven't stopped today. Those ripple effects continue today because God continues today. And so with that ripple effect, how is that affecting your life? Some of you are not affected by the ripples because you never keep focused on the fact that God sent his son. All you see is ripples and you don't know where it came from. How many know that you could still be affected by a tsunami even if you didn't know how it started? I seen video footage this week of the, the alert of the tsunami that was taking place and, and obviously certain places more than others. And I watched footage of people just, on the, just running and all of a sudden mounds of water coming at them. Or do you think they stopped for a moment and go, wait a second, where did you come from? No, it doesn't matter where it came from. It's coming for me. It's happening and I need to get out of the way. Right, And so what happens is God does something amazing and it's affecting things and people stop and they want to reason with it. Listen, if the enemy is involved with the tsunami, watch yourself. If God is involved with the tsunami of his presence, come on, Lord, flood me. <laughs> flood me. Overwhelm me. I need, a, I need a tsunami of love from God. How many need a tsunami of love from God sometimes? Yeah, I think we all do. I think we all do. But... What I'm trying to say is that we live between these two prophecies and what's happening in between the coming of the Messiah, the first coming of the Messiah, that baby Jesus, six pound, four ounce baby Jesus, right? And, 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 and the one that's going to come on the horse, glorious return. He's going to crack that eastern sky. What happens in between though? Between the coming of the Messiah, the first coming and the second coming, what happens there? So if you would here, this left side of the stage for a moment, let that be our Old Testament, what they, the Bible talked about, the coming of the Messiah, right? 
And so let's look at a little bit of that for a moment. Let's say that this side of the platform here is the Old Testament. It was a time when mystery took place. A lot of people in the Old Testament wondered how the Messiah would come, when he would come. Hello? Some of them even today are wondering when he would come because there are obviously those Jews that don't believe that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, so they're waiting for the Messiah's first coming while we sit here going, you missed it, dude. There's a second one, though. Right? I've been there. I don't know how many of you grew up in the city. I grew up in the city, and I missed the bus sometimes. And then I got to look at the schedule. There's another one, but I got to wait. There's a Messiah that's coming back again. There's a Messiah that's coming back again. But what happens in between those two prophecies really does matter. Like a tombstone of the day of your birth and the day of the day that you breathe your last breath, your death, there's something that happens in that dash. That dash cannot be filled in by just a space. There's a series of decisions made in that dash. Yes? There's a series of consequences, mistakes that were made in that dash. Yes? Series of investments, series of uh, good decisions, bad decisions, wonderful memories in the middle in that dash. But between those two prophecies, before these two prophecies, there's wonderful things that the church of God is known for. Wonderful things that the church of Jesus Christ should be doing. And if we're looking at the Old Testament, we're seeing when Jesus was being, uh, they were prophesying Isaiah especially, and we'll get to him in a moment. But the Old Testament, right? The first great revelation is found in the Old Testament. They knew that in the beginning, the Messiah would be a human B, he would save the people from their sins, right? What do, what do we need saved from? Well, that's simply found in Genesis. Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. That's talking about the Messiah's coming, how his coming would crush the head of the serpent. Who's the serpent? Satan, who is the one that does the crushing? Come on, somebody. The Messiah. You serve a king that crushes the enemy. You serve a king that has defeated the enemy already. But we often want to fight for the victory instead of from the victory. So we look at the Old Testament, we look at where sin was dominating and taking, and God sent his son. And they knew that there would be one and only one that can do this, the son of man. Deuteronomy tells us this, hear O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. How many ever heard that before? Right? It's found in Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four. Of course, the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit uh, is being spoken of in different terms, in different ways. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Trinity was not revealed too much here at this point yet, but we see that the only thing that we need to focus on is the will of the Father. Let him begin to explain and lay that out for us and what that looks like. And it's absolutely true. Yahweh the Father, God the Father, right? Yahweh the Son, Yahweh the Holy Spirit, that's one God in three persons. And how he revealed himself to us 
is given uh, multiple measures of power to every single one of us. How many know that knowing the Father is a big deal? How many know that accepting the Son is a big deal? How many know that being empowered by the Holy Spirit is a big deal? Right? So every, every piece of that plays a part in our everyday life. That's how we're able to function between two prophecies. Those of us that don't live the Christian life, those of us that choose not to live the Christian life, are, that, that, that are not empowered because we choose not the things of God, we wrestle more so than everybody else. Those, of, those uh, people that choose not to follow God wrestle more than everybody else because they don't have that comforter. They don't have that dunamis, hello, that power from the Holy Spirit. They don't have that pneuma, that breath of God, the spirit of God. Those are all very real words that have very real repercussions in our life. Dunamis is the word power. Pneuma is the word spirit or wind of the spirit. And speaking of God's spirit, how do we, how do we move in this day and age with the world that we're living in? How do we function like this? So allow me to speak to the, from the youngest in the room to the oldest in the room to tell you that no matter what age you're at, you need the Spirit's power to walk you through these two prophecies. Because he came once, he's going to come again. Both of those are in God's word, right? The Old Testament spoke of the, 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 the coming of the Messiah, then as we experience that move forward, multiple, multiple writings wrote toward what? The second coming. So now we look to that, right? Follow me. It must have messed with the minds of the people of God in the Old Testament. Because... When the Holy Spirit would say to the prophets, write this down, it seemed like they were writing something that didn't make any sense. What? But we see what's, in the, what's concealed in the Old Testament is revealed in the New Testament. You with me? That which is concealed in the Old Testament, every time God said, write this down. You with me? There's the scribes there with their, with their little fluffy pen right? They got the little feather pen, whatever going on, and they're writing these prophecies, and they're writing these things down, because they didn't have MacBooks. <laughs> remember writing? Remember writing? Writing. Remember writing? Pencil, pen, number two, scan, Tron. Remember that? Some of you just laugh, because you know. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. They wrote this down and they were saying, God would say to them, listen, write this down. And they would say, okay. And he would, prof he would give a prophecy to these prophets. And they would write it down and they would go, what? Listen, look at me, look at me. When you ask what right now, trust him. Just like those Old Testament prophets were going, a virgin shall conceive? Hello? You, you get what I'm saying, right? A virgin shall conceive. Are you sure you meant conceive? Are you sure you didn't mean a virgin shall receive a package from Amazon Prime? Like, what are you... You second-guess yourself, right? 
Aversion shocking, that's not possible. A virgin shall conceive. Write this down, write this down. Okay. Just like they were obedient to write it down and we were the beneficiaries, God is saying to you, write this down. You may not understand it, but the generations after you will. Listen, I believe, like many of you in this room, Jesus is coming soon. I believe that there's so many more pieces that line up. I'm not, I'm not here to tell you when Jesus is coming, because then I would nullify everything I just said, right? <laughs> not at all. In fact, there are things that I don't need to know, because it would affect how intently I go after God. The more you know about the next step, the more you're in the next step. If I know that, the, like, I, I see the distance here, and I know that there's enough for me to take another step. Now, I'm looking at the step, and I know there's not enough for me to take a really decent step again. If I'm involved and I see too much, where's faith? Where's the need for trust? Sometimes our, the best thing God could ever do for us is not reveal too much about what's going to be happening next. Because with our passion and intensity, we can still face him with the, with the same gaze that we did as our first love. Father, I don't know what you're doing, and you're saying, write this down. But I have no idea what you mean by this. Whatever you're going through, I have no idea why I'm going through it. God, I don't get it. I don't understand it. But I'm living between two prophecies, and I know this to be true. You're coming back again. So my hope is different. Are you with me? Now, let me say this. Uh, Isaiah 7:14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him... Emmanuel. What is Emmanuel? It means God with us. Many of you know that, right? So when the people that were writing these and reading Isaiah on the scroll, you, you understand they had scrolls, right? So everybody didn't have, see, I have a Bible. Raise your hand if you have a Bible. Raise your hand, even if it's not here. I hope, bring it next time. But some of you are holding up screens. That's okay too. But how many, raise your hand real high if you have a Bible. Rose, Matt, you got one, right? If you don't have one, see me after service. I want to get you one. I'll give you one free, no, no charge. We have Bibles and we have this beautiful opportunity to read God's word. Did you know when Jesus walked the earth, not everybody had Bibles? You do know that, right? That only the richest of the rich and the, and the religious, high-end religious folk had Bibles. In their case, it's scrolls, right? So they depended on others to read it, declare it, and pronounce it over our lives. Guess what you have the ability now that you have a Bible to do? Read it, declare it, 
and pronounce it over your life. Yet, yet, for some of us, it's not touched throughout the entire week until you get here. This is not condemnation. This is reality. We're living in the most biblically illiterate generation ever. We have so much information, yet know nothing. This is not condemnation. Hear my heart as a pastor. Hear my heart. We have so much information and no wisdom. Because we don't, we don't feel the need because we could always Google it. Google. What is the measurement between this and that? Google. Okay, so not Google. Maybe it's Alexa. We personalized it. Make it feel better about ourselves that we're not going, Google, around the house. You might want him to look into a place for him. He keeps walking around the house saying, Google. Name it Siri, name it Alexa, name it whatever you want. But at the end of the day, why do we have so much information and yet we're so biblically illiterate? Because we depend on everything else instead of God. And what I'm saying is this, if we're going to live in between two prophecies and do everything God has called us to do right now, we have to know what he says. We have to know what he's saying. And when they wrote this, when Isaiah wrote this and had this written in his scroll, do you think he understood that her name was going to be Mary? Do you think he understood all the details? No. A virgin. Who's the virgin? Mary, we know that now. Why? Because we're in between two prophecies. Right? She shall conceive. What does that mean? Have a baby. And we shall call him Emmanuel. What does that mean? God with us. We know all that because we're living in between two prophecies. All these things we've experienced and we, we, it brings us to where we are today. But now God is saying some things and we have to look for it. God, you're saying some things and I don't understand it. Is it right for us to dismiss something that God says that we don't understand? Is it prudent? Absolutely not. How many agree that it's not prudent to do that? It's not a good idea. Just because we don't understand it, oh, you know what? We do that with people too, don't we? I don't understand that person. Canceled. Right? There's a lot of people that canceled me a long time ago. I don't understand how I could accept four or five friend requests and I still have the same amount of friends I had last week. Hello? It's been happening for the last several years. Why? Someone don't like you. You know what? It's going to happen to all of us, right? Jesus was perfect and people didn't like him. So what's the chances that everyone's going to like you or me? Accept, 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 accept friend requests. Okay, yeah, yeah, I know. How do I have the same amount of friends as I did two weeks ago? I just accepted 20 more friends. You know what happened? 20 canceled me. I'm not, it's not a, that's not a boohoo thing, trust me. Some of them need to be out of your life. I had to unfriend a couple people this week. Move on. Because 
Some things are not good for you. Stop holding on to the very things God's trying to get rid of your life, out of your life. We cling to them because it's all we know. Some things are not meant to be in your life at this point because you need to fulfill everything God has for you right here, right now, between two prophecies. Is this helpful? The Hebrew word translated virgin is in this passage. It means maiden or young woman. So we understood Mary. Let me, let me just stick with the Old Testament for a few moments. Um, it's a big deal when a virgin conceives. I'm just saying. It's a big deal. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, and to us is given. The government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful God. How many remember when I preached this a, a, some, a couple months ago? It was during our, right before our Christmas season or during the Christmas season. I preached on this passage here, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. In fact, I think it was Christmas Eve candlelight I delivered this message on this passage. And it talked about he's Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And those are great terms to describe our Messiah, right? Those are great terms to describe our Messiah. And so we look at that. And, and can you imagine what Isaiah was like when he's writing on the, on the scroll or the scribes? Because not all the prophets wrote themselves. They had scribes. They had people that came in. They wrote for them. So whoever it is that wrote exactly that passage, they wrote mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And what's the other one? Wonderful counselor. Right? He wrote those things up. Do you think, do you think for a moment that that scribe or even, or even the prophet knew exactly what he was talking about? Not fully. Because God, is, God gives word and that word is a seed sometimes that unfolds in time. Right? How many like to plant flowers at certain times of the year and then you watch them bloom? And then others, you buy flowers already partially bloomed and you, and you plant those, right? You, you transplant them into, uh, right? You, that's just sometimes it's that, you know, sometimes you're like, I keep killing stuff, so I'm going to start here. Some of you are like, I don't have a green thumb. I'm in somewhere in the purple realm. Yellow or something. I don't know. It's not green, that's for sure, right? So we don't know what God is doing with those that word that God has given you right now. But guess what? He is wanting to use you. Amen? So we look at the Old Testament. Allow me for a moment just in the New Testament. So for a few minutes, let me just move to the platform here on this side where it's the New Testament, the second revelation of the future, and we see the prophecies of the second coming. Some of you are watching news and you're watching some things and you're going, is this in the Bible? Because it sure sounds like it with pestilences and rumors of war. The second coming of Christ to the earth. A lot of this doesn't make sense. There are prophecies by Jesus himself in Matthew 25. Where he gives a basic preview of judgments to come. That will take place when he returns. Or right before he returns. If you want, take a look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Watch this, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I provided the verse for you, and you're welcome. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16, 17, and 18. This is just three verses. For the Lord himself will descend from the heaven with a shout. Come on, I believe he was Pentecostal. Here we go. He descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive 
at Freedom Life Church, parentheses, and remain shall be caught up together with me, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall ever be with the Lord. Therefore, get upset about everything you read in the news. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. Therefore, comfort each other with these words. No, that first one wasn't there, right? No, that's the revised new 2020 version. Don't read that version. The Bible says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. What are the words? He's coming back. So allow me for just a moment. I want to... I wanna, uh, this is very important, and I put these in my notes, and I'm going to kind of close with this thought here for a moment. Give me your undivided attention for the next, can you give me five minutes? Watch this. There should be a comfort that comes when we read a verse like this. And here it is. For those of you taking notes, I need you to understand something. I need you to understand that there's an, a term called the blessed hope. If you don't know what that is, write it down. Go to ag.org, go under the, 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 the fundamental truths of our fellowship and look at the blessed hope. There's verses and verses and verses and verses. I won't share all those things, but type the blessed hope and look for and what that means. And here's what that means. It's the understanding of the coming of our Messiah again. How many know that's a blessed hope? Now, I need you to understand something. I want to bring some clarification for a moment, media team, just help me out just a hair there, just lightly in the background, because I want to kind of bring this into a capsule. I need everyone's attention for this, because I need some clarification on what the blessed hope means. Hear this. The blessed hope is not maybe it will happen hope. Because we use that word hope that way, right? Ooh, okay, so here it is, ready? I hope my team wins, said every Eagles fan last week. The blessed hope. Maybe my team will win. We didn't win, but neither did the Cowboys, so that's okay. Justice and everything is fine in the world. That's not the hope I'm talking about. That's not the, I hope I get a good grade. That's not the hope. That's not the blessed hope. Wrong hope. It's not maybe it will happen hope. It's hope that holds. Write this down if you're taking notes. The blessed hope is hope that holds. In other words, that blessed hope means it's going to happen. Give me the strength to overcome all the things that make me want to pull away and not believe anymore. That kind of hope. Look at me. You know what kind of hope I'm talking about? When you know your check is going to pen tomorrow. You're, okay, I'm, I'm putting it in real layman's terms. Are you ready? This is real practical nuts and bolts. You ready? You have zero money, but you know your check is going to process tomorrow. That is more blessed hope than I hope my team wins. Right? It's more like, not 
Not that our hope is in our money or our banking. That's not what I mean. What I'm saying is it happens every single and you know like clockwork that's when it hits the bank, right? Blessed Hope says hang in there. I'll pull a couple of bucks out to hold me over. I'm going to pay cash because my check's going to come and I know it hits. You with me? I know it hits. Blessed Hope holds. It holds. I know you're coming back. Not I hope you're coming back. It's I know you're coming back. It's an encouragement. It's, a, it's, a, it's almost a step of faith as opposed to a step of I hope it happens. So when we talk about the blessed hope, I need us to understand something. It's not hope that wishes, but hope that holds. So as we live our lives between two prophecies, I want us to walk through this this next couple of weeks that we realize that from the manger to the crack of the eastern sky of the Messiah, we have to live this life certain that he is all God all the time and I trust him for that. Amen? How many believe that he's all God all time? He doesn't take a break and he doesn't relinquish his power. So if you believe that with me, if you would, stand with me all across this room for a moment. Stand with me all across this room. I didn't go into all my notes. I, I, I wanted to make sure that I, I laid out exactly what God had for you this morning. And we'll pick up next week more on Between Two Prophecies. But I need us to just get a base of understanding from the Old Testament declaration of Jesus is coming to the New Testament declaration that Jesus is coming back, right? Where do we stand on that? Here's where I hope you stand. I hope you stand in the place where you could say, God, I haven't figured it all out, but I want you to be Lord of my life today so that I can, I can hear it every single time you want me to do something. I'm prepared. How many want to be prepared for when he comes back again? Right? We don't want to be caught off guard. We want to be prepared. And so that is the prayer of the saints. That is the prayer of this leadership. That is the prayer for me as your pastor. That we realize we don't live in fear. He's coming back again. The fact that Jesus is coming back again should not be a point of fear, by the way. For believers... It's a blessed hope. It's yes, he's coming back again. Not, oh no, he's coming back again. What is he going to find in my heart? Well, that's what the Holy Spirit's trying to work out right now. Open it up. Lord, show me. Holy Spirit, reveal to me with that powerful word, with, the, with your Holy Spirit's direction, with, with joining together with others in life groups. I'm really excited to hear about what, what, what will transpire this week in the life groups. But look at God in the same way we could look at him reading the prophecies that were and then fulfilled, the things that he's telling you now and that we see that, are going to, that haven't been fulfilled yet. Why don't we look at those the same way we look at the Old Testament ones? That's hope that holds. Are you with me? Hanging in there and believing that my life right now, I need to make sure I get this part right.
because we're living between two prophecies. Father, for every person, man, woman, boy, and girl, the sound of my voice, I'm asking you today that you would minister that as we live between two prophecies, God, we're living in a world right now that is so decimated by fear, anxiety, doubt, and is God God? And many people deconstructing their faith, so, so to say. God, you're still God. Even if I don't understand everything, you're still God. Come on, church, I want you to repeat this after me. Say, God, I want you to say it like you mean to say, God, I don't understand everything, but I trust you. There it is. There it is. Father, we don't understand everything. Just like the scribes and the prophets didn't understand what they were writing. We don't understand what you're doing. But we know one thing is for sure, you're coming back. So help us to be ready. One more time, lift up your hands all across this room. Father, allow us to be ready. Ready our hearts. Ready our hearts. God, may we never ever discount or discredit what you're doing because we don't understand it. Any God that we could fully understand is not God. <laughs> not supreme God at least. Father, reveal to me what is for me to know and help me to believe the things I don't. I don't know everything, but I trust you for the things I don't know. And I believe you for the things I do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Through this week, love God, love people. Say it with me. Change the world. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful